folks. He's back. You guys asked for Mr. Greg Dickerson to come back. We are in crazy times, and he is gracious enough to say, yeah, I'd love to come back to talk to one rental at a time. How you doing, buddy? Doing great, Michael. Good to see you. Nice to see you as well. So uh, if you don't know, we might be on the cusp of a banking crisis and uh, a lot of stuff going on, treasuries, Bitcoin, a lot of stuff, you know, 12 deviation moves. But let's just go with what 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 is Greg doing, seeing what is going on uh, from your perspective? The audience wants to know. You know, a couple of things. Nobody really knows what's going on behind the scenes, you know, but but what appears to be what's happening, obviously, is banks have invested you know, deposits in longer duration assets, you know, bonds, mortgage-backed securities, things like that. They're not liquid or liquid at par value that they spent. Rates went up, so it put those assets under pressure. So when people go to pull their money out of the bank, the bank can't cover those redemptions. And, you know, Silicon Valley Bank, I think one big depositor tried to pull their money out or something. And I don't know how the word initially happened or what, what triggered that whole thing. But, you know, the bottom line is the banks don't keep the money on deposit in the bank that people deposit. They use yeah. it to they put know, it to work. It's called fractional reserve lending or yeah. fractional reserve banking. So what's really interesting about this versus 2008-9. And the other thing that's interesting is the first bank to fail was Bear Stearns. And it was this time of the month in 2008. It was March of 2008 when Bear Stearns failed. And then Lehman failed in September of 2009. So it's interesting time of year and how this is all coming down, but this is very different. This isn't a situation where the banks are insolvent in terms of the assets that they hold and things like that. They just don't have the cash to cover redemptions. So that's why the Fed and Treasury put this facility in place to kind of backstop the depositors so that banks had something to draw on to make depositors whole if people want their money back. So, you know, really, really interesting what's going on. Yeah. One of the things that, you know, as you study the economy, it's all about people. Our economy is complex as it is and all of these, you know, things that you want to talk about. It's all made up of people and people make decisions. I believe the weekend that Silicon Valley Bank collapsed and the chaos that ensued, I believe that broke the consumer. And what I mean by broke the consumer is they got scared. And a scared consumer, Greg, as you know, conserves, doesn't spend. A scared consumer, a scared consumer feels like they have to do something. So even if they only have 12 grand in the bank at a credit union, they're going to move it from the credit union to JP Morgan because it's safer. I would Potentially. argue. Yeah, I, would I argue mean, that's, not that's what a lot of people are seeing and thinking. And, you know, the thing to understand is obviously deposits are covered up to 250,000. The problem was Silicon Valley Bank, most of their deposits, 80% of them were over that threshold and they were mm. uninsured. So yeah. that put the bank at risk there, whereas most other banks, it's the other way around. The sure. bulk of most other banks' deposits are insured, and there's a small percentage, 20%, 30%, that are uninsured. So the other thing to understand is, so back in 2008-9, banks were failing left and right, but depositors were fine. Nobody lost their money on deposit because the banks either got taken over or they just ended up you know, getting liquidated. But people's you know, deposits were covered. Even when Lehman failed, nobody's deposits were at risk, you know, that Even was- Even Washington worst. Mutual, the largest bank ever, Every it, all depositors were uh, 100% whole. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, every year banks fail, you know, uh, I don't know how many, but, you know, lots of banks fail every year. So it's not uncommon. It's just interesting that it's all happening at this time. And it's obviously, you know, Fed policy that's done it. But yeah, I mean, people that pay attention and that, that are watching this, it's making people nervous. And yeah, why wouldn't you want to go to a Bank of America or JP Morgan or a Chase Bank, you know, or, you know, City, you know, the largest banks that are systemically important banks or, 
you know, systemically important financial institutions, which are deemed too big to fail, you know, but the government came out and said, look, your deposits are good. They didn't give a blanket guarantee of all deposits everywhere. They did almost everything but that because uh, they don't want to cause a panic. And, you know, and then probably 70% of the population didn't really know what's going on. Most people don't even pay attention to this stuff and have no clue what even what is even going on. Yeah. So again, I think you, I'm glad you brought this up. This is not 2007 all over again. This is a liquidity crisis, not a solvency crisis. Um, I guess one of the things that I see coming out of this, and it will be months, if not quarters, until we really see it, is regional banks, which is where the pain is, perform a very valuable function in their markets. They are 50% of total transactions for commercial loans. That is going to stop, at least in the short term, if not longer. And I think that's going to have ripple effects across many assets that are traditionally financed by commercial lending. What do you think? Depends on the bank. So the healthy banks, they're still out there because they have to make money. So, yeah. you know, these banks are in the business to make money. Now, what's going to happen is the rules of the game and how they make money are going to change. Yeah. But Regulation. believe it or not, the local you know, the smaller local regional banks that are more diversified into businesses and real estate in their area okay. are actually better off than SVB was, or than even a JP Morgan and those guys are. Even those, okay. even though those banks are too big to fail, doesn't mean they're healthy. It just mm. means they've got a guarantee that they're not going to fail. So the little banks that have their money all around. Now, the ones that are at risk potentially are the ones that, you know, have office loans and things like that. I mean, pretty much real estate all across the country is underwater especially commercial, you know, commercial multifamily. I mean, none of it's worth what it was a year ago yeah. or two years ago. Yeah. Some yeah. residential in some areas, you know, my area, we're still seeing multiple offers and stuff going above asking. I mean, we're still seeing that nonsense because there's yeah, no- this is, not a, this is not a residential problem. This is a commercial financing problem. And that's the second shoe to drop. So everybody's like the banks and it's neat and it's, you know, it's in the headlines and all that. The banks are for the most part, okay. You know, the, the Fed, Treasury, they know how to deal with it. It's not going to be anything like 2008, nine for this. The big issue is what you just said, it's the shadow banking. So the biggest risk on banks, you know, balance sheets are commercial portfolios, commercial loans, maybe some business loans with some businesses that are under stress, but they've worked through most of that through the pandemic. The ones that are left standing are generally solid businesses. Um, commercial real estate is, is in distress, especially in the office sector, but all assets are underwater. There's gonna be a lot of disruption there. And then, you know, uh, equity funds, hedge funds, um, you know, sovereign, you know, debt funds, pension funds, all those people that lend in the shadow banking industry and, and create liquidity there, there, that's the biggest shoe that potentially is yet to drop. I I agree. The shadow banking, the the non like non-QM, non-qualified mortgage, these, these other uh, lending functions that their job is to lend, package up, sell. It's going to get tough, and what yeah, is and tough that's where mean? liquidity can dry up fast because of redemption. So people are going to start, you know, wanting their money back there. So those funds are going to unwind. Assets are going to get sold and spun off. Loans are going to get called. That is a 2008-9 potential. You know, yep. there. The question is, In how that big is segment, it? Yeah. Yeah. And what will the government do about that? Probably nothing. All of that right. will just. So you know, there there's a bill that's due. You know, I mean, we've been on this super hyperinflated liquidity pump train for, you know, multiple years now. And at some point, you know, the bill comes due. And, Agreed. you know, like you and I have talked about many times, well, what do you do when everything implodes? Well, everybody just sits down the table, writes it down 
and you start the cycle over again. So the banks are one thing because you need the banks. You know, that keeps the economy humming. So they have to protect the depositors of the banks. Correct. These other entities, they can just get written off and wiped out and nobody cares because they're just going to mm -hmm. work through their cycle anyways. But that's where the damage can be done to the economy because, you know, that's layoffs, that's people out of work, that's, you know, economic activity that's, you know, draining the cycle and that can last, you know, for a number of years. So that's what I'm watching more than the banks. Yeah, the one area I will throw on this, and this is definitely probably because I'm a Silicon Valley guy, uh, I think there's equally amount of pain in the private equity um, you know, smart startup business, just like the commercial loans. There's a lot of loans done, a lot of capital raises that were done at stupid valuations. You just saw Stripe do a down round from 95 billion to 50 billion, plenty of down rounds coming. And more importantly, there will be companies that cannot do a next raise and they will just go out of business. We are in the Silicon Valley, the tech world, we are going to see layoffs. Now, again, these aren't layoffs immediately because they have burn, they have a burn rate, uh, but we are going to have some startup pain, Q3, Q4, Q1, in my opinion. Potentially, and we're seeing a few of them now, but the thing is, you know, with the layoffs that we're seeing now, they're at the, you know, they're at the white collar level for the most part, higher yep. level tech employees, they're getting severance, they're getting, you know, yeah. benefits when they walk away. So they've got time that they can hold out. And a lot of them already had other jobs anyways, or can get other jobs quickly if they want to, because for every job that's laid off, there's still 10 more out there that are available, you know, potentially in that mm -hmm. world. And then when you start looking at, you know, the real job market that makes a real difference in terms of a recession, you know, that's your, you know, manufacturing sector, your construction sector, your service industry. I mean, that's the bigger component of the economy where a real recession can set in. And that market is still way too strong. So the interesting thing is, you know, is that where the, and maybe we talk about this in the next video is the Fed's decision, what they're looking at. You know, those things are all coming into play. It's going to be very difficult for this, you know, I mean, it's just really interesting, difficult times because of the the dichotomy in the labor market right now. And, you know, it's kind of it's kind of like the housing market. You know, there's no inventory. There's no workers, you know, for yeah. all the jobs. So it's going to stay elevated. Yeah. So when you look at this banking crisis, again, I, don't, I think we both agree this is not kind of the Great Recession on repeat. It's something different. I have done research and think it's similar, at least akin to the savings and loan crisis, kind of the same ilk. So I, I've challenged people to go do some research about the savings and loan crisis. Uh, what do you think about that? Wise advice? Yeah, absolutely. And the real question is, is this going to change the business model for the banks? Because it used to be the banks were somewhere you just kept your money. It was a boring business and they didn't do a whole lot with, with deposits, right? Then this whole levered up thing and buying these instruments and just derivatives and swaps and all these other things you know, that's where the banks really started making big bucks, especially the big, you know, too big to fail banks, the ones that are getting the billions of dollars in bonuses and, you know, hundreds of millions in salaries for the executives and all that. I think the banking business model now is on, this is the closest it's ever been to a, to a fundamental change in the industry to where it gets back to basics, back to fundamentals, not going to be allowed to lever up, you know, changing yeah. credit controls, you know, um, the things that they can do and, you know, uh, liquidity requirements, reserve requirements, things like that. So it'll be interesting to see how, what else happens and, you know, how that evolves as we go through. But, you know, banks are still lending. Are they going to change? Is it going to get tighter? Is it going to get more difficult? Depends on the bank, depends on the area, because every bank's doing different things. So, like you know, it. banks are still lending out there right now today for, you know, for certain things. And then there's other ones that are pulling the plug. So, you yeah. know, you got to go shopping. 
folks, as you know, Greg Dickerson has an amazing playlist on this channel. You need to check it out. But if somebody wanted to follow you, reach out, Greg, how should they follow you? Yeah, gregdickerson.com. I got the YouTube channel, still putting out daily videos on the economy and markets and things like that. So go check it out. Awesome. Thank you so much.